0: Hey everybody, it's the MPG Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Josh Mosler. This week I got Kristen King, the Marketing Director of Sego Property Management. Yes, sir. <laughs> I got it all. You got it all. <laughs> How's it going? It's great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I uh, I heard good things at BNI from Billy and Chris, Chris and now Ed. And Ed's like, yep. yeah, yeah, he's like a big fan. So
1: yeah, it's been great.
0: And you, uh, for those that don't know, BNI
1: Business Networking International. It's the largest intentional networking. Format of its kind all over the world. Um, But really, the core focus of it is giving to other members of the chapter and then even members outside of your chapter and really trying to facilitate business referrals on a much more personal level, Um, making the warm referrals instead of wasting people's time and just passing cards or just passing off contact information without giving context. So we meet each week, and that's really because we can specifically get to know what each of our members need week by week um you can always make general statements for property management yeah we we would love new owners that have investment properties and would like us to manage it hey we'd love some great tenants you know but those are very general Um, so each week we get to be very specific and um, you know the past month i've really been trying to work on my reach in terms of networking and connecting with people outside of a number of my spheres and just kind of stretch it um, being in Savannah since 2004, you sometimes feel like you know. You feel like you know everybody, but then it's really refreshing when you get to know more people right. like you. So um, I, I see those those relationships that build and then lead to other relationships, and they can form really great um, continuing partnerships.
0: It's funny because in Savannah, like it does feel small and then you get like in like in a, I don't want to say like a rut, but almost like a rut of just like you're just hanging out with the same people. It yeah. feels like it's everybody and yeah. then you get outside there, you're like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, there's, there's like so many more. all these other lanes of people that I yeah. just didn't even know existed. Yeah. yeah, especially in real estate.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, joining the BNI chapter almost four years ago just blew open my sphere of contacts and my resources. Um, and I think it builds trust. Like, like you mentioned Billy Norse and people that you know that you can trust with your own personal assets, your personal estate, but that you also feel comfortable referring your friends to. So, and then you, you know, they're gonna make you look good anyways cause you know how awesome they are. And really I think that's what it's all about. And I think this past year and a half has really showed people how intentional we do need to be with with our friendships and with our interactions and our business interactions. Um, I think when all the noise and the chatter goes away and when we were forced to be more quiet and be more insular, we start realizing which are the peripheral relationships that kind of muddy the the airwaves and then which ones, you know, really bring you clarity and help you focus on your goals. So I don't know if for me it was a a year of kind of trimming some fat away of things that maybe weren't serving my goals or my purpose or our team's goals. Um, But at the same time, you know, always being able to adapt and evolve based on, what the environment around you is doing. So I think in the real estate market right now, you know, we are seeing unprecedented numbers across the board, whether it be the interest rates or what um, rental rates are right now, um, to the cost to buy a new home or to buy a home. It's 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 very high, and so constantly adapting to that, um, I think, has been a big growing point for First Sago. Um, and we can talk about more of that later. I'm yeah. Just- <laughs> <laughs> I was
0: like sparking off like a, a bunch of questions yeah. in my head, which is like <laughs> the rental rates have been crazy. Yep. Um, how hard, how difficult has that been for y'all to overcome? Kind of like keeping a uh, keeping track of where those are going. Right.
1: So, you know, you're basically pulling comps from whatever the market's doing. So the market is going to be influencing that. Um, the biggest issue is really a basic supply and demand. So, Think about if, if you're a homeowner right now, if you decide to sell your home, but you need to buy another home at the same time, unless you're moving to somewhere very, very different in a different marketplace, it's not gonna necessarily be the most cost effective thing. Even though you're like, ooh, I could sell my house for this much, but then when you gotta turn around and find another house to buy, the market is, is very um, I don't know. It's it's just lacking in in inventory right yeah and so at the same time the people that are making out like gangbusters are the people that have had investment properties for a long time and they're like great that's given us some return now we're going to go ahead and cash in and we're going to sell this and so landlords are only required to provide 60 days notice so all of a sudden you have all these investment properties and landlords selling notifying their tenants they have 60 days so the supply for rentals has gone way down and the demand has gone way up. So those are the situations that kind of tug at my heartstrings and make me a little bit uh, anxious at times because I can show a great property to four different parties. They can all be fabulous applicants, a great applicant package, great credit score, no previous evictions, great landlord referral, everything. But at the end of the day, only one of the applicant packages is going to get picked. And the owner, at Sego. we present the, the information to the owner and the owner decides. So regardless, I get emails and calls, well, why wasn't I picked? And there's no reason other than it's one property and you all can't live there. Right. That's it. I mean, that's really it. So when people ask, what can I do to make myself look like a stronger candidate on the application? there there's not much because there are a lot of strong applicants out there so that's what's driving um, the the skew of the supply and demand and then also you have people willing because they are in whether or not they truly are in like a crisis situation or they are just in a perceived crisis situation they've realized that they'll put in an application and the next thing they know the property's not available anymore so for them there's a sense of urgency and i think that they if possible are willing to pay a higher rental rate to be able to secure a property but then that leads to the huge issue now of affordable housing and not having any affordable housing actively available for a lot of people that are are renters um so we see that that that's been like the biggest um impact i think uh, of what the market is doing from a property management perspective so
0: how much do you think it is um to like people coming from new york or california mm-hmm. where these rent rates are crazy mm-hmm. coming here and and with a different mindset you know what i mean and maybe jacking those prices up. yes do you think that, I, mean, I
1: think i mean if some if someone's willing to pay it it's it's out there. I mean, investors and are ready will. to make money. Yeah, right? I mean, and, to, and yeah, yeah, it's not, a, they're not nonprofits. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah, and we do have, I mean, I've seen it from so many levels in the other career of my life in the music industry, just countless musicians moving from up north, specifically New York, who are just done with doing it up there. They come down here, and they're like, great, I can afford this, I can afford this, and they can slow play their work and not be stressed about oh, are gigs gonna come back? Are they not? You know it's just a very different lifestyle down here versus the north. And I think that um, I know of a number of people that have moved from California and just have bought places here and they feel like they hit the jackpot. Right, so yeah,
0: they're like living in luxury. Yeah. It, yeah.
1: so um, yeah, it's been it's been interesting. And you know at Sago, I really try to make it as fair of a playing field as possible. I try not to waste people's application fees. Or their time you know so we do thorough pre-screenings now um, even before we show a property um, just to make sure that we're not wasting any anybody's time and then you also have people that you know you can say hey it's not available till October 1st but I need it by September 15th well it's not available Right. No, but I really need it. I'm like, I am so sorry. I know you feel like you really need it. I cannot make that happen. <laughs> there are still tenants in the property. Right, like you there's know? nothing
0: you can do, yeah. I can do. Yeah. So
1: it, it's times like those where you just kind of have to be cut and dry. But the rest of the time I try to be, I, I realize that everyone is under a lot of stress and some anxiety. So I try to mitigate that as much as possible while still being fair. And you know, we are just the liaison between um, the tenants and the owner, in the sense of we're doing the screening, we're doing all the legwork, but ultimately the owner is the one that has to decide and feel comfortable with placing that tenant in their investment property. So we really do try to give the power and control to the owner as much to whatever level they want, um, just to make them comfortable too.
0: Let me ask you this: so we we kind of like skipped over like my my most common first question, okay. which is uh, the trajectory, like basically your backstory, the trajectory of your life from like 18 years old right now, because. Uh, for those that don't know you also run a
1: live music booking agency yes, yes. right
0: and I, I don't want to skip over all that so That's if funny. you want to just like tell, okay. yeah
1: 18 so graduated from an all-girls Catholic high school in Michigan uh, called Mercy I was um, valedictorian and went to college at Loyola University of Chicago I have a music degree a business degree and a psychology minor which I use all of them still.
0: <laughs> That's like a really crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Like how'd you decide on all I that?
1: think it just happened organically. I initially went for pre-med and then after organic chemistry was like, I'm, I think I'm going to bypass this. <laughs> and the music department was pretty small. So it was a really intimate group of people. And we got to do really creative things that I don't think I would have been able to do if I had gone to a very large, um, like university of Michigan would have been a logical choice for me. My parents would have loved it because in-state tuition and Harpist, I would have gotten a full ride. <laughs> and I have a twin brother. We both picked private schools. Um, oh, wait, so, so he didn't go to university? Of- my brother went to Miami of Ohio. Miami so, Ohio? Yeah. They had a botany program. It's like one of the few undergraduate schools that had botany and he's VP of Domino's sales now. Pizza. So. How
0: could he show his face back in Michigan after going to I school know, to in Ohio, Ohio? And
1: he married a girl from Columbus. Oh, Pinkerington like the but yeah, I know
0: <laughs> at least he didn't um, go to Ohio State exactly yeah, I yeah. know
1: and I gotta say as much as I love the Big Ten I was thrilled to see Oregon Pommel Ohio State in <laughs> the horseshoe on Saturday that made me very happy Shout out Oregon. so I don't right <laughs> go Ducks so um, anyway so after college I went um, Loyola is a Jesuit school which is uh, arm of Catholicism and so I did a program called Jesuit Volunteer Corps, which I describe as the poor real world. Eight strangers picked to all live in a house and work at nonprofits and make $65 a month as a stipend. And so I was placed in Atlanta, and I worked at the Atlanta Day Shelter for Women and Children in Midtown. And my roommates worked at all different nonprofits, and we had a home. Now, I mean, the Oakland city area is pretty dope, but back then we had an obisco factory in our backyard and we were putting, um, you know, like the spray foam insulation that you can get in a small can. Yeah. Like we had holes in like the brick, like you could see outside in. And so we just started going crazy with all this spray foam. And of course then it turns that ugly like mustard color. Yeah. But I mean, we had fleas, we had, <laughs> We just, But I, it was some of the best times of my life. Like, it was a great community. And really the focus of that is just um, option for the poor, service, spirituality, and intentional living. So um, I did that. Then I took a position starting the first Campus Kitchens project at Marquette University in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So that um, was a national nonprofit that started first at St. Louis University and then Northwestern and then I started the one in Milwaukee but it's basically a partnership between the university their food service provider so like Sodexo and um our parent company or parent nonprofit was the DC Central Kitchen in Washington DC so I ran I started that program there and basically you use student volunteers and you safely rescue like a half pan of enchilada that you know, didn't come off the line, but you know, it was there that they were going to dump down their industrial garbage disposal. Right. Because it's not on the menu for the next day, whatever. And so we would blast, chill it, do all the paperwork behind it, make new meals, and then do meal deliveries the next day at all these different nonprofits in the area. So we'd partner with them. So an organization that maybe they provided meals and we could alleviate funds that were used for those meals. So we could do that a couple times a week. Um, but it's not just like, it's not that dichotomy of, like how a soup kitchen is where it's like me serving you. It's all about building community. So using food as a tool to get in the door and build those relationships. So we would bring the food. They had to have the proper facilities for us to reheat it. So the proper temperature and all the HACCP laws. Right. Um, and I'm serve safe certified. And I know way too much about foodborne <laughs> illnesses, but um, so we would get the food going. And then like, if it was um, assisted living community, we'd start playing bingo with them and just, engage them and really you know you offer food and you'd be surprised even like the biggest introverts will come out and hang out right and you just go from there and you know we did after school programs that was my first experience with the kids cafe program which actually was founded in the early 80s in savannah by two women who um these kids were caught they had broken into a church and they were found in the kitchen just eating oranges and they they were just hungry that's it so um Miss Nicey's is one of the, the founders of uh, the Kids Cafe and her name's Grace, the, the kitchen at Second Harvest here, Second Harvest of Coastal Georgia is named Grace's Kitchen. It's beautiful, so I was running programs, after school programs in Milwaukee with these kids and helping them with their homework and I've got all my college student volunteers with me and they're teaching us how to dance and do whatever, you know? And right. it was just, it's really engaging and then I ran a culinary job training program during the summer. <clears throat> which I partnered with um you it was it was the unemployment agency in Milwaukee so the the possibility to do great things and not have too much oversight like you know operating as an extension of the DC Central Kitchen but having some autonomy and ability to be creative with with what we were doing in the programming and then I looked to move to Savannah I met Before I moved here, my business partner, Ricardo Choa, who's a violinist, um, principal, second in the Savannah Philharmonic right now. Um, And back in 2003, the Savannah Symphony had folded, not to be confused with the Savannah Philharmonic. It folded and um, a number of musicians left Savannah, but some stayed. And Ricardo realized that there was a need to have a centralized booking agency that was not a symphony office was not the savannah music festival you know someone else that could foster and contract with clients um and be that liaison and i think that one of the things that sets us apart is that both of us are musicians ourselves so um i'm not asking any of my other musicians to do something that i wouldn't consider doing and i'm not promising anything to clients that's unrealistic and i can also communicate you know the challenge is You've got some people who know a whole lot about classical music or whatever they want, and then some people that have absolutely no idea. And so it's trying to find that way to communicate, you know, what's great. I call it the calculated epiphany, but it's helping someone decide what you know is a really good decision, but yeah. making them feel like it's choice, they've deci- yeah. actively decided it. Yeah. There's the psychology side. So – um <laughs> So I've been doing that. Um, I moved here in 2004, and we've grown a lot. Um, it's great. I get to write checks to my friends. I love it. Um, and then uh, over four about four years ago, uh, the owner of Sego, Stacy Janes who's our realtor and broker, um, we met in yoga, and she offered me a part time job where I could make my own schedule and fit hours in when it worked. And um, I said I don't believe you, but let's try it. And so here we are. And um, you know, the networking piece was always an easy part for me because I was already doing it so much with my own business. Yeah. But now the carryover and, like I was saying before, going into very uh, different and much broader scopes and and groups of people that I didn't necessarily have direct contact with now has been has been huge. So um, I think you know, being able to manage your time and multitask and not have kids that, <laughs> you know, I, I do feel like that's part of the reason why I'm able to get a lot done, but. Um,
0: which was kind of talked about for context for the yes. audience, which we kind of brought up last week when we, at BNI. Yes. Like how do you have so much time? So much time, yet? right.
1: So, and then, yeah, so I did serve on the board of Second Harvest of Coastal Georgia for a total of about nine years. And then um, I'm on my fourth year and the board of Girls on the Run of Coastal Georgia and the Low Country, which we can talk about that or not, but um, it's great. It's a great nonprofit, and it's a it's a national nonprofit that um, people in most major cities know about, even if they don't have daughters that were in a running program at school. But it's not girls running away from home,
0: right? Just to clarify,
1: because <laughs> I do get that a lot. But but yeah, it's great.
0: I have like a lot of dumb the there. Okay, so my first question is that I've been thinking this turnaround, which is how much food is wasted on university like how many people can you serve out of that waste? that's a great
1: question so the first week we started that i started that i started the program um we did we were only collecting food from one dining hall we ended up adding more dining halls because there were like six on campus but the model was you shared kitchen space so after the like dinner shift was done and everyone's out then we would come in and do a night cooking shift, and that would be the food for the following day. So we we would have designated shelves. Then we trained the staff. They could put half a pan of whatever on there and, you know, label it, tag it, temp it, whatever. Um, in the first week, we were serving 1,000 meals just out of that one kitchen. Oh, my gosh. And so then when we started adding more kitchens that we would collect from, um, that and adding more agencies. So, you know, I've – My model towards any business, I don't care who you are or what the business is, but to grow proportionate to what you can handle, right? So if you, our our gut instinct sometimes is to come out like gangbusters, like I'm going to blow it out of the water. Great, but then step back, pull back a little bit and say, okay, what are the steps from A to B to get me to LMNOP over there? Right. Because sometimes you can just, it's the best way to kill everything, you know, you, you, release something too early you start something too early and then you don't have time to adjust to the challenges and so i feel like with with new arts ensembles with the campus kitchens project you know you start small you grow you learn from whatever the challenges are and then you build from there you know and my thing is i don't ever want to take on more than i know i can reasonably do a really good job at like i'm always shooting for perfection so in hopes that you know it's pretty okay most of the time otherwise i don't i don't want to be involved i don't want to do it because it would it would disappoint me i just have these standards for how i would like to operate and so with sago stacy started the company we're, we're about to have our 10-year anniversary in march and she started with just a few of her own properties and a couple other owners and now we're at 110, you know? So she grew proportionate. She has a background in uh, construction management. Um, you know, she she she's a visionary. She's got a great idea um, for how to do property management a way that's a little bit different than how other, maybe larger companies do. Yeah. So like I consider us a boutique firm um, because we don't have that buying and selling arm and we are able to um, do a really good job we never want to take on more than we know that we can do a really good job at so
0: what are some other things that make y'all unique
1: so one of the biggest things that people don't realize sometimes but um, we do occupied showings so say you were renting from us and your lease was up at the end of October mid-September is when I would start trying to market the property and then I'll only show it once a once a week and i give plenty of notice and you know i try to do my best to make sure like i look in there at least oh they have a dog okay let me time it with them and see if they can come home and take the dog for a walk you know whatever um and with covid we for a while we stopped occupied showings but um that's one of the things so that means that i can get a tenant secured oftentimes before the the current tenant is even moved out and so then when they move out we do the walkthrough we do any repairs and flip it so that means increase revenue for the owner because the property isn't sitting vacant for very long that's one thing um
0: and what is your average turn time
1: if you're in our system like a regular rotation where we're being proactive like that it's going to be like two or three weeks but that's you by georgia law there are now you, you are required five days from the move out to do the inspection and then give that back to the tenant to dispute any charges and then you move from there so depending on how many move in and move outs we have during a month we try to time that engage that it's in terms of when the property will be available okay. so um, but we usually have someone secured um, especially right now they're not sitting very long so that and then the fact that we do in-person showings in general um, larger offices you could go to the office check out a key you know they take a picture a copy of your id You give them 25 bucks you go show the property yourself you come back you turn the key back in we see that um in person showing as just part of the interview process and the screening process you get to know people pretty fast in a few minutes you know just ask a couple questions what do you do why are you moving you know what's your story and or if they ghost you and they don't even show up to the showing like
2: you know yeah
1: Yeah. no so um those are for me those are very key things. Otherwise, you're just a name in a in a computer system software that has submitted an application and I know nothing about you. I have no context, you know. Right. And I don't ever want to remove the human like the humanity and the human side of these interactions. I don't we're not that big. We don't need to be that big. You know, we're at a happy place right now and I think sometimes people think that in property management, you're making bank, but we make what we need to to pay us. And, and, you know, that's something that Stacy prides herself on. And I think that's why we keep our rates reasonable and we're able to do a good job. But it's also why we don't negotiate what those rates are. Like, this is for sure what we need. Like, we know this is what we need to make all the numbers work. Right. And we know our break-even point. We are very cognizant of that. So I think again we're small and that goes a long way um and our communication with our owners and with our tenants i think is really strong as well i have a lot of people that come to us saying i haven't i haven't been able to get anything fixed for months now granted if it's a back order, if, like, no refrigerators are available or they keep getting back order because of COVID stuff, like, we do what we can. We right. can't make a refrigerator. But, you know, in general, we're very timely on that. So I think that's that's a big selling point for us.
0: What uh, is your guys' average occupancy rate?
1: <laughs> right now, it's... I have one property vacant. So 99. yeah, <laughs> yeah, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. In fact the past few months it's been like one vacant. And this one, the tenants just moved out. We haven't even finished the repairs yet. You know, we're good. It's in Ardsley. I'm not worried about it. Right. It's gonna go yeah. right away. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's a lot.
0: What about delinquency, right? Um,
1: we're doing really well actually. Um we one of the things that we really try to educate our owners on is You know, as much as you feel wronged or you get frustrated about a tenant not paying, and you think you want to evict, you know, you you go through the pay rent or quit process. You know, we submit all that, and then they decide that they want to do it. Really, the end game, you're it's a so much more expensive. The time frame that you're going to have to wait then to be able to even rent that property out again, it's not worth the loss of rental income. Um, we really try to work hard with the tenants. If a tenant is communicating with us, that's, that's great, especially right now. So we have worked with a number of tenants and landlords through the Georgia Assistance Program. Um, the application's a little bit more complicated than we anticipated, and it does not allow SAGO to act on behalf of the landlord. So each landlord has to then work on the application for their tenant getting rental assistance. but That's kind of which, weird. Yeah, Why do I do it like that? I, it's, I think it's bureaucracy. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know okay, what else. makes no sense. Yeah, no. Me. So it's definitely not streamlined. Um, but we've had some tenants that have had assistance from United Way. Um, and, you know, we do have some that we try to be like I said as human as possible like if you are explaining the situation and we go to the owner we'll come up with a payment plan we'll come up with something to make it work because nobody wants an eviction to happen we just don't want that so right. our delinquency really isn't that bad
0: how many evictions do you generally have like in a year One. Oh, okay so that's pretty low yeah Dang. and
1: sometimes it's a formality there's no like Dramatic, right? Like you show up and everybody's ev- already gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's gone. Like they've left stuff, but we follow the law very, very,
0: put it out to the very road. tight. And yeah. we just
1: okay, we got to do this. And um, Michael Elvin, I don't know if you know him with In and Out. Um, he helps with eviction services. That really he's fabulous. And um, we used to do before I joined the Sego team. We used to do them, or, or the team did it themselves. And once I found him, it's just he's so streamlined. He just handles everything goes meets the the officer sheriff, yeah sheriff yeah. and just handles everything for us it's super easy so
0: evictions are oh, yeah. a lot of times you can tell a lot during an eviction mm-hmm. so like i don't think i've ever really talked about this on the show before but before this i worked for a company and we did multi-family maintenance oh. kind of like but for all the comp like a bunch of complex in savannah and uh this one eviction stand on my head it was so Difficult. To, so the person like skipped town like for months, right? And we're taking all this stuff out of this apartment from the third floor. And like apparently, apparently, they had like a spending problem on credit mm-hmm. cards online. Oh, no! So we're taking all this stuff down still in the cellophane. Oh, no. And the sheriff's just like watching us, you know what I mean? Cause you can't like take it. Take it. But the person hasn't oh. been seen in like months. Oh, my. So that was like a clearly, you know what I mean? But that's, I mean, that's why, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
1: it is. And I mean, I've had times where we've showed up to meet the sheriff before we had Michael and um it was my co-worker nicole and I. and the sheriff walks up he's like where are your people and i'm like well it's just us and it was a small unit but we he he goes well i'm not doing this with two uh, um individuals <laughs> <laughs> and we're like we're tough women we can handle it but anyways the tenant ended up changing the locks and not notifying us so it was a moot point we couldn't get in that day so that was my only that was my one time at maybe having something exciting happen
0: but (laughs) nothing
1: yeah nothing couldn't even go in so
0: mostly when you guys go in there empty
1: yeah or just stuff like but not like not a hoarder situation or like no dead animals or just stuff that they left behind
0: one time, uh, we did a suffixion on this guy who was the former prop- uh, uh, maintenance manager for that property. Oh, boy. And he was like a meth addict. Um. And so, he w- had collected like all these ACs from around the property. And they were like <laughs> lining the walls in his house.
2: Seriously? Yeah. And
0: he was like, take. there were like millions of pieces because he had pulled them all apart and stuff. Oh like anytime gosh. they needed to replace an AC, he would just take the broken one and put it in his apartment. So there's just like all these air conditioners. I mean, oh it wasn't just God. air conditioners. There was all kinds of stuff from people's apartments in there too. But
1: do you ever listen to This American Life?
0: Oh yeah. Okay. I mean, so, it's been a few years. Like, okay, don't you know, it got like political. Yeah, I really but you know, I yeah, high style. Yeah, okay,
1: yeah. I'll send it to you. But there's a parody of this. There's actually two episodes that parody This American Life, and they get the music part, everything. It's hilarious. And one of them is a guy that has a job. At a computer repair store, and he, his quote is, I literally cannot plug a plug into a plug. And that's the quote that's used at the end of the show after all, like, you know, our producer is Tony Malatino, da, 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 all yeah, that yeah, stuff. Yeah. And, um, but his thing is, he's being interviewed, you know, again, a parody, and and Ira, fake Ira, it's like, well, so what do you do when someone says that they need, you know, they need this, this project or they need this part fixed? He's like, I just take it home and just put it all under my bed, and my entire guest room is full of... Like, it's just so funny. (laughs) It's absolutely hilarious. And they nail it. I'll send you those. But it's on, like, Casper House, or Casper Hauser or something. Um, But, yeah, they cracked me up, so...
0: But this is that... Well, that is this maintenance manager, I guess. He felt like he could take all these ACs home. Did he
1: charge... Like, he took it home, and did he benefit financially then when he would use parts from it? No. So it had nothing to do with fueling his meth addiction.
0: No, I think it was just something to do while he was on meth. meth huh. Yeah. It was actually a really sad situation. They had like something some kids sad. and stuff. Oh. And yeah, I don't want to get into Boo. all that. But okay. anyway, let's not bring a damper on yeah. <laughs> all right. So in that case I should open my bourbon here tonight, <laughs> yeah. so, to not bring a damper yeah. on Yeah, Sorry. Seventy five hard. Shout out to Curtis. So Curtis, do you, um all right, so do you go like any like the real estate meetups and stuff here?
1: Mm, I should, I guess. You should. I don't know. There's
0: some good ones. Really? Like are you on the Savannah Real Estate Investors page? I don't
1: know. Oh I'll, I'll have
0: to add that. Uh it's run by Corey oh. and Monica. Monica Rinozo and yes. Corey um Griffin. Griffin. Okay. Yeah. He's gonna kill me. Yeah, he listens Wait, to the show, but does he
1: have um is he with Lucky Savannah? Does he do Lucky Savannah?
0: Uh um, I don't maybe not. What is know. Lucky's?
1: Lucky Savannah was like properties, like rent vacation rentals. I
0: don't think so. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They own um Savannah Home Solutions, which is like oh. a wholesaler yeah, yeah, yeah. slash yeah. investor. Yeah. Okay um mm. but they put on like a really good networking event almost every month oh, like okay. last i think last last month there was like 60 really owners and you know investors from around the community that Ooh. showed up yeah
1: okay hit me so up. this is a
0: great spot for our marketing yeah i need yeah. that
1: okay savannah realtor real estate what is it oh it's
0: the savannah real estate investors page it's like a facebook page oh okay and then and then there's like a offshoot of that from another investor that's the actual savannah real estate investors page okay
1: i feel like this has happened in the wedding professional <laughs> industry as well these savannah wedding professionals savannah wedding professionals with a smiley face like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay but they're both pretty good okay I, I,
0: i'll definitely endorse both pages okay both, awesome. both around my friends so nice um but yeah they're, they're they're you can you can connect a lot with people that are specifically in the industry how do you guys mark what kind of things are you guys doing to get new clients
1: so a lot of it I think is word of mouth relationships I do a lot of other things besides just work stuff so just always sorry never being afraid to like talk about it right. I was I was unloading the harp at the mansion on Forsyth yesterday to go play a wedding there and I overheard a woman checking at the desk and I hear her say, oh, we're in town because we're looking to buy a property. And I, like, was in the middle of pushing the harp, and I just stopped. I said, excuse me, who's your realtor? And she's using Celia Don, But anyways, (laughs) but I'm not afraid to ask because if she said, oh, I don't have one yet, guess what? I've got realtor cards in my my car all the time, you know. So just trying to build those relationships. Um, And then – I even spent a very tedious amount of time. I don't think I'm gonna do it again because I don't think the return was there, but it was just a little test to see. Um, I painstakingly went to the Sagis um, site of all the addresses at the Merritt condo on Wilmington Island, mm-hmm. and then figured out all the people that did not live in that unit. So I cross-referenced if their address was the same as the unit, fine, or if it's not. Then I made this whole other spreadsheet that had their current address and mailed them and designed a postcard and then uploaded it through Vistaprint's spreadsheet. But it was like line by line. There was no easy like download and export or anything. So it took a while and sent those cards out. And it just said, hey, if you're interested in, you know, using your property as an investment, like that type of thing. That's the only like blind solicitation. And the cost wasn't that much. It was mostly time. Um, but I haven't gotten anything from it, so. Um,
0: well, maybe just because it's had the merit.
1: Yeah, maybe. So I started looking at doing it other properties, and I just don't have. The, it's so much time. <laughs> have you ever heard
0: of um, PropStream? No. Okay, so well, there's a couple different options. You can use ListSource, so but PropStream is the best. So if you if you Prop PropStream is 100 bucks a month, and you can pull 10,000 records a month. And you can search by criteria. So for example, you can, let's just say you take a square and you make it around Live Oak. Okay. Then it populates all every single address that's in Live Oak. And you say, I only want vacant houses where the owners own them for more than 10 years that live out of state. And then it will filter through and you can just pull that list and it will export it into an Excel sheet. Wow. hundred bucks a month.
1: And is there a minimum subscription length?
0: No, no, hmm. you can do it for whenever, for just I mean, like could, a month or not, and just try like, it out. Like, there's like a two week free trial, so you could literally Ooh. just do it for two weeks, pull everything you want, and cancel.
1: So, do you even have to put a square, or can you just say Chatham County?
0: You could just say Chatham County. Okay. You could say any county, or any, you know, what I mean, it's all. It's like, and I'm being really generic. It's super duper customizable. So you could even put like house values, how their loan to value on. There. Gotcha. I mean, it's super. The okay. age of them, you know, their age. Perfect. Um, and then uh, yellowletterhq.com. dot com. Is what you want. Mm. Maybe. I don't know if they have like a customizable one for like blind solicitation of property management, but you might be able to customize them to do that. It's yeah. like forty cents a postcard. Okay. So I okay. mean it could add up uh, yeah a little bit. But yeah. um if you use the list criteria to really get it narrow, maybe you just get like eight hundred or a thousand, like the most qualified people. Right, right. Four hundred bucks and I mean That's two true. you could pull the list and send the list in literally less than an hour
1: okay awesome i'll do that <laughs> so yeah between that and you know we do social media um and the bni chapter is important and great um i just visited a women's group that meets at the chatham club and it's a commerce group and it was started a long time ago by women that were frustrated because they couldn't go to rotary meetings this was before rotary let women in which is how long ago a long time (laughs) i mean rotary started in what 2000 or 1904 1901 started early right um so some of the women i mean they're they're old school savannah like legit old school but they are working on getting some younger people in and it's funny that i considering myself i guess younger there because i'm middle middle but um (laughs) So that's been great I went to their meeting last Thursday Mayor Van Johnson spoke at it um, it was a really diverse group of people again one of those moments where I looked around the room I'm like I, I know 10% of the people here like this is good for me and you know I I am very extroverted but I still I like being outside of my comfort zone like you said you kind of if you get into a rut where it's just the same people over and over again. That doesn't, that doesn't fuel my my soul and doesn't inspire me that much. I mean, it can, but it's just always nice to be surrounding yourself with, with maybe some different people that you can learn some things from. So I met some really dynamic women there that I had never met before. Um, so we're talking about me joining that. Also, I mentioned Rotary, definitely looking at that. Um, the Savannah Metro Rotary is our um, – partner for girls on the run this year so um each year they pick a nonprofit to focus the majority of their service projects on and they help fund that so we had a whole plan in place and then covid happened so we put a pause on that but they are sponsoring multiple teams um at a couple elementary schools providing the coaches and it's been great so
0: what is the rotary exactly
1: rotary is just another philanthropic organization they're they Are intentional and don't quote me because I don't I've only been to one or two meetings but um, you know there are a number chapters the downtown Savannah one is huge like really really a lot of people Um, but there's a featured speaker each month at the meeting and then um, they service community involvement is a big thing for them Um, it's just intentional community really so, like a BNI, so yeah, very okay. much so, so. Just like a networking, yeah, yep. okay. And just like um, the the founder actually made a reference to: there's nothing more lonely than walking through uh, Central Park on a Sunday alone, like, and you see all these other people engaged and together. And for him, that was part of the inspiration of starting Rotary is just to have an intentional community that people were not, even if you are completely introvert we are not made to be alone you know no man is an island that stuff right and so that was really just like the start of an intentional community and they have values and code of ethics just like bni does and it's very similar in a lot of ways
0: do you get involved have you really been involved in like the chamber of commerce much
1: i have before um we are not i i am not currently a member with new arts Sorry to say that, but, um, <laughs> I'm not, uh, um, girls on the run is those so I do, okay. I do events with them, um, through that. So,
0: um, so I want to go back. I know we're going to be like a little bit crazy here, but, uh, <laughs> another question I had about your like story was like, why Savannah? We never really got into why Savannah.
1: No, I should have maybe, I don't know if we are going to talk about that. Wait, really? I don't know. You can edit it, right?
0: Uh, I could yeah if I need to if you're like absolutely insistent yeah
1: no I um, my ex-husband and I were dating long distance okay yeah and so I moved here Um. you moved I, here for a boy I know I never thought I'd be that type of girl <laughs> but I met Ricardo before I moved here and I had the business in place before I moved here so I wasn't just moving for okay. him he also um. he owns a company here a lot of people know him but it's soap on a rope it's a high rise window cleaning company okay yeah and um we had been dating long distance and in may of 2004 he fell off the roof of the double tree hotel downtown so he fell like almost 60 feet broke 37 bones like obviously a miracle that he lived
0: like hit the concrete like, <clears throat> the
1: pool deck yeah so on the second God. floor yeah it was windy he was rushing because he wanted to go kiteboarding and uh, i was still in milwaukee thankfully he was training a new guy and um they, they do in chair work. So if you imagine just going over the ledge and you're sitting on like a little plywood piece, but you have the ropes, it's controlled descent. And he had this new guy started and then um, Brady went back to go. He should have just reset his startup process like from the beginning, but he thought his ropes were secured and they weren't. And he went to go over the ledge and took everything over with him. And at the same time, his new trainee realized that he didn't put any water in his bucket, and he pulled himself back up over the ledge instead of doing a full drop and then coming back upstairs. So he saw Brady's ropes flying over the ledge, and even though it was like his second day on the job, he called 911 immediately. There was, it was morning, it's like 9 a.m., and there was an ambulance right there um, on the square where like Vinny's is right behind, and it was when the G8 summit was happening too. And so, all the ER doctors that were on call and standby were like the top notch people. And so, he just had incredible treatment out of the gate. And again, just a total miracle. So, that's an insane uh, story. Yeah. So, I, when I moved here, I first moved in with his parents, and he was living with them because he was in a wheelchair and couldn't do anything for himself. So it was kind of, like, intense (laughs) really early on. And um, Had
0: you guys been dating for a while before that? We had
1: known each other for over a year, but we had only been, like, officially dating for a few months. I literally had met his mom once. I'd met his parents once.
0: So this is like a boom. And
1: then she calls me, and I thought it was someone calling from Savannah about a job because I'd just been at a conference in D.C. and met a woman from Savannah. She's like, I'll be in touch with you. And, And it was... Freddie's mom saying, "I don't know if this is God's time to take him or not." And I, <laughs> I was like, "What is happening?" <laughs> yeah, it was really intense. So, anyways, so you're like, "Guys, to
0: move there for sure now."
1: Yeah, we were already planning on me moving. Um, so, just so,
0: kind of accelerated.
1: Uh no, we stuck. We stuck with the plan. I just came down for some extended periods of time, and his parents drove him all the way up to northern Michigan to go to my brother's wedding at my. Aunt-uncle's vineyard all the way up here. Traverse City? Yeah, yeah, all. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Lillanau, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, because you're Michigan, too. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Midland. Yeah, so, and we were just up there last month, and um, my aunt-uncle, are it's the Chicone vineyard, okay. which is Madonna's parents, you know, so she's my cousin. Wait, really? <laughs> yeah, she's my first cousin.
0: <laughs> Madonna is your <laughs> first cousin? Mm-hmm. Well, wow, the yeah. story just gets crazier. She I was know. from Bay City, wasn't she? Yep, Bay City.
1: Yeah. Yep. And when she first toured, I still remember because I was born in '80. In '86, she toured with Beastie Boys, and this was back when their budget was, you know, non-existent. Right. So we did a tour party, like a backyard barbecue at my aunt and uncle's in Rochester at the time, and I remember playing volleyball against the Beastie Boys. And my godfather being so stoked that he spiked on Mike D. <laughs>
0: that is a wild memory.
1: I know. It was great times, though. So
0: Are you guys, like, friends?
1: No. I mean, if I need, um, like, an auction item or something for, like, a silent auction for Girls on the Run or for Second Harvest and stuff, I'll reach out. But, um, yeah, we couldn't have more different worlds if we tried
0: (laughs) so don't be hitting you up to like get in touch with madonna
1: no i mean my my parents get tickets um but for like the detroit concerts like here i guess atlanta i think sometimes she does jacksonville
0: does she still tour
1: she was
0: honestly she's a little bit before my time she looks great now i don't even know if i know like a madonna song
1: oh come on
0: i mean i'm not trying to be disrespectful but i'm serious i don't like i'm sure if i heard one i would know it but i don't know if i i couldn't name like a madonna song right now
1: wow
0: even though she's from bay city yeah i mean i know eminem oh I mean, that's what michigan's got right like and eminem, um madonna kid rock kid rock like that's bob our Seeger? claim to fame i don't even know bob song. oh come issues. on <laughs> oh my what's a bob Seger song
1: roll me away oh, yeah. like a rock Sorry, okay, yeah, you'll yeah. accompany me yeah Okay. Hollywood Nights.
0: <laughs> um, anyway, so you. <laughs> I will keep drinking my bourbon. You know, get seriously, saucy. you're like, now I really need a drink. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you move to Savannah, and then you, so you start your business with. Um, Ricardo. Ricardo, mm-hmm. I apologize. He
1: already started it before, so he did a lot of the, just the logistical, you know, LLC paperwork and stuff. But back then, we were still, like, printing out information and mailing it to potential clients and burning cds of demos and all that stuff so now everything is just and i know it will continue to be more streamlined but just our processes are much yeah Yeah. so much faster so
0: you almost feel like it's on cruise control a little bit
1: i do usually except you get some wild cards and like i have a wedding coming up next month where the recessional song like yay you're married and the song is back that ass up that's what she wanted by juvenile remember that yep. song yeah so we're playing that harp upright bass and violin so bass and violin harp mm-hmm. and harp it's gonna be great i hope so <laughs> How i much get practice that practice does that take there's not gonna be practice we don't practice we just it'd be like three people sitting down and reading a children's book together
0: like you don't need to no yeah i gotcha it's fine just show up and read One
1: 100 percent so that's, you know, but there is some cruise control. And I think i go, I, I've been flow depending on seasons. Right now, I've got 58 more weddings left to get through in 2021. But I think some have been condensed from postponement from COVID. And thankfully, historically, I'm not busy. Like the height of Sago busy time isn't always the same time as the wedding industry. So they kind of balance each other. Um, and I think that... Um, it's, it's hard to predict when you know you're gonna be slammed or like in the weeds but I do try to mitigate that that as much as possible and be realistic about scheduling and everything so I mean with sago the historically people don't like to move during like December right but then yeah. again people do it all the time so it's just it's hard to predict and we we just do our best so.
0: I would say that probably I don't know if this is experience i would said, but like property management wise, like normally like the summers are just out, out insane, right? Because you have like school kids. Schools, moving yeah. In, like, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So and then with SCAD even this past year, you know, just so much unknown. Are the kids coming back? Are they not? Are they? They are, but I guess there's a hybrid option as well. But yes, they in are. The spring back. spring or right now? Right now, oh, okay. I think so. Um, but then we get to this other issue. I mean, I called I called TransUnion to ask. How do we screen, if possible, um, international students? You know, there's no social security number. Their parents, even if the parents are gonna be the responsible party, there's they don't have a social security number. Transunion told me that was the first time they've been at they didn't they've never been asked that question before. So if any of your listeners know how have a good idea about proper screening for international students, just to have recourse and make sure that, you know, the owners cover we do our due diligence to make sure that this is secured let me know because i would love the advice
0: i think i got some people that i could put you in touch with but okay. i know that and have a lot of units that okay yeah um so then you do the just exclusively just doing the music thing for mm-hmm. and you're not just managing you play too correct? right right the harp and are your guys predominantly just doing weddings or
1: lots of corporate events we do a lot for golf for scad um georgia power great dane like you know groups that are coming through doing conventions so you know I obviously have great connections with wedding planners but then also there are people that don't do weddings but they do like the convention stuff or you know a big group is coming through and they're doing you know a weekend and they want to plan excursions and stuff after you know they have their seminars or their sessions whatever um so those people also hire work you know book stuff through us um I'd say seventy percent are weddings, though. But the corporate stuff is super easier. <laughs> they're like, "Cool, it's this much done." Whereas brides would be like, "Well, I want this," or then they change their mind ten times. And
0: well, it's super you know, emotional. When it's like a wedding. That right? too. Because yeah. got to make it. It's one day.
1: Right. I know. Yeah. And there's a lot of pressure out there, especially with social media. To if you don't do this, your wedding is gonna suck. Like fill in the blank. It's It's off the charts. And then with social media influencers, and I had someone, they wanted to collaborate with me to play music for their wedding. And she's a big social media influencer, and her fiance plays football for Clemson, and he's going to the NFL draft. So they (laughs) say, which is a big assumption. I got real NFL players calling me. I don't know. I was like, (laughs) that's a big assumption. But I was like, listen, I'm not prepared to discount our services. For social media influence, like I don't, we don't need that. And the same thing with Stego, like Stacy really is a firm believer in organic referrals, and and that's how I am too. I mean, we do have a social media presence, but it's not necessarily the focus. I think the reputation that we have. I mean, we have a potential new owner. They're still waiting on visas to come through, but they're not even a client of ours yet and she's already referring her friends to us. And that's after that's just based on her onboarding experience with us. And I think that over the years we've learned A you can't assume that anyone reads management agreements or leases for that matter. Right. B sometimes you, it it'll save you a lot of stress and confusion down the line if you just spend some extra time line by line like here are the big points that we need to hit so that you and I are on the same page about your expectations for what we do as property managers, and then our expectation for what you do as the owner. For example, you say that the house is vacant; it's ready for a move-in inspection. We get there; there's still furniture, there's stuff. We can't properly do that inspection, and we we're gonna have to come back, and there's a fee associated with that. But you were given a list of the, <laughs> the requirements and the FAQs, you know, of what is. Um, what our standards are you know right. everybody has different standards for what quote-unquote clean is for example so you know just trying to to get ahead of that on the front end so that people don't get frustrated and that especially if they're getting stressed or they just start getting emotions involved with like if it's their their own home that now they're renting out. And right, they're like, it's yeah. my baby. It's my first home. It's it's just different, it's you like, know. Listen, the
0: rule of being an investor is no emotion, Right, you no emotions. Like, oh, I that, right? So, now.
1: as opposed to someone that's like, I specifically bought that house as an investment property. All I care about is making money on it. I have no emotions involved. Like, great. We got you. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. Um, I was going to ask, do you guys have, like, your maintenance in-house mm-hmm. or how does that, you got work with a lot of vendors or kind of how does that work?
1: Yeah, so we have just an in-house maintenance coordinator Chris Kessler and um, he handles all the vendors so he's gonna coordinate everything communicate with the owner if the owner has a vendor that they prefer to use like totally fine we try to get that obviously when we first onboard them but sometimes owners change or you know have a falling out with their HVAC company and right. want to try someone else um, Again, we try to be as we are as hands on or hands off like with the owner as much as they want. So some of our owners are like, Yeah, just get the quotes, I'll approve it. You handle the work, you communicate with the tenants, schedule the work, no problem. Others like to be involved, um, which can work fine, but to be honest, if Sago is facilitating that repair, we're gonna make sure that we stay on top of them and that know what's being communicated to the tenant is also happening whereas an owner if they say oh I'm handling it who knows we we lose control of that situation and then we end up sometimes having tenants that are frustrated because they haven't had hot water for a while because the owner is having their person do it whereas if we had our person doing at least we can stay on top of them and you know the follow-up the follow-through and at least be able to communicate to the tenant right Again, I'm big on communication. I played rugby all through college and my rugby coach always said, talk early, talk often. But it's just that idea of I'm communicating before things get escalated to, you know, unknown factors. You can fill in your head whatever you want to think about whatever is happening as opposed to having sound knowledge and and having good communication about, hey, this is what I'm doing. This is my plan. Here's what's happening. Let's follow up tomorrow. like. No big deal right as opposed to i haven't heard from them don't know they're ghosting me nothing's happening like that's when i think it gets frustrating for chris so
0: what is the biggest challenge with like what you do with what sego does with property management would you say
1: sometimes i think it's it unrealistic expectations from tenants um in terms of and and I'm guilty I think before I started doing this I probably would have been the same way in fact I know I was because one time I moved into a place and I was like like immediately punch list of like and none of those things happen and over the months I just gave up on it I was (laughs) like okay that's not gonna happen fine but the difference between functionality versus cosmetic right so by law it's the functionality so okay, I get that you don't like that there's some cracks in this old Arsley Park home and the plaster. I don't know if the owner's going to approve that to be done. It's not a functionality. Yes, I know cosmetically it doesn't look great, but it's not required. It's not a safety issue, It doesn't You're right, exactly. So especially when parents come with their kids to view properties too, that's when I'm like, I'm just going to hold my breath. Like the comments that they make, And in my head I'm like oh do not put that idea in their head but probably for someone that's never rented you know and I think about my parents generation they went from their parents homes to then my parents went to college my dad went to the military but in general you know it used to be there there weren't all these life stages where you were renting all over the place people were not as transient as they are now not even close yeah they weren't up and moving to somewhere where they knew nobody you know, so you've got all these other variables now,
0: which is and weird because our great grandparents are the ones who all came here. right? I know. It's weird, Yes, but, I know. Yeah. It's
1: the it's the cycle. It's, yeah, it is very cyclical, actually, which is interesting. That's a good point. Um,
0: Sorry. Thank God. No, no, no. I
1: love it. Um, yeah. but it is interesting, and so you have people that I think have they're looking at it from the eyes of someone buying a home. They're not looking at it from the eyes of someone renting a home. Right. And so I think for for me sometimes it's it's keeping those expectations realistic and i've learned over the years that don't say oh they might do this just assume like this is what it's gonna what it's gonna be like and if they do decide to do any improvements like add a bonus but like this is where your expectations should be you know we're going to provide a thoroughly clean property with everything functioning and all the safety things working
0: just set um, it from day one yeah and
1: yeah. that's it so um i i think that's that's a challenge and then the other thing that has been ingrained in my head over the years is your emergency is not my emergency so it's completely opposite of my how i approach my business with new arts ensembles because okay you're a client you contact me if i don't respond within. I don't know, an hour. They're like on to the next vendor or someone. You know, it's like instant, instant, instant. Always accessible, cool. Complete opposite from what Sego is. I mean, oh, you need to move into a place tomorrow well, you're not a good fit for Sego, anyways. Our screening process and approval is going to take three to four days. And like everything, getting the security or the first month's rent reservation fee has to be a cashier's check or money. Like we do everything by the law. And so people show up all the time. Oh, here's cash. I'm like, why would you give me cash? You have no recourse. I could say, I could turn around and claim that I never saw this, you know? Right, yeah. And people think cash is king, but it's just not in property, It's not right, at all. Right. And, you know, Those funds have to go in a different trust, and though they're held there. They're not used. They're not commingling with other operating funds. And, you know, property managers that maybe have, I guess, under 10 properties, there are different laws that apply to them. So I'm not trying to speak to all of your listeners in terms – like, if someone's like, well, I only have three properties. I take cash. Like, there's different laws, and I don't know those laws. I know what is required for people that manage over 100 properties. Right. And so – and we get audited, you know, and we're very, very by the books. So I appreciate that about the company. And I think that, um, you know, from a business ethic perspective, um, both Sago and New Arts are, are super sound and I would stand by them from an ethical perspective. I, I love it. The topic of business ethics actually a lot. So
0: well, it's kind of interesting with your like cat, like how strong your Catholic background is. Yeah, makes sense, I guess. Yeah, really
1: like. I mean, and I never had the Catholic guilt that people talk about. I went to a church that um, Father Jim would pray pray, quote, unquote, against the machine that ran the institution of the Catholic Church and also prayed for ordination of women. It, <laughs> he was just awesome. He's the first person that I ever heard the words East Timor from, like when I was a kid praying for people in East Timor. I didn't even know where it was. What's East Timor? It's a country in Africa. It's very oh. small. <laughs> and um, But he was just all about the community and for the people. It was a church, you know, Catholics, you go to, technically, you go to the church that's in your neighborhood or in your community and we didn't do that um and I, my parents are very um progressive and inclusive in so many ways so in terms of the institution of the catholic church eh, but in terms of faith and and spirituality all that
0: green light so it's interesting that i would i don't want to get too much in the weeds here but uh, catholic catholic church is super diverse in what you're saying like you do have I think in some churches, like, it's much more common, like, you'll have, like, a bunch of, like, super hard line conservative, Mm -hmm. maybe, like, less, like, open-minded. You know, liberalism. I don't know. You know, I mean, I'm not trying to speak in political terms. I just mean, like, lifestyle or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, and being from the Catholic Church talking about how your parents look a little bit more liberal, like, that's kind of interesting that, Mm -hmm. you know, the Catholic Church is like that all over the world. It's weird.
1: I know. I was, my brother and I were baptized in my parents' backyard. Like, they had a home church that they went to the archdiocese and said, we need we need representation and so Father Fallon came in and led their their church and it's just it was at a time it was you know the late 70s and at a time when they just saw a need for something different and wanted a small intentional community which goes along with so many choices that I've made in my life too in terms of community and stuff so um yeah I thought that was really special so.
0: Not to put you on blast, you go to Catholic Church here? Or, or, no, uh, I mean, mass or yeah,
1: whatever. I do sometimes. Um, I also attend um, Skidaway United Methodist sometimes and the Kirk. So it really just depends. Um, and then I have a lot of church gigs on Sundays. But I will tell you, this summer I, I stopped playing um, brunch gigs just so I would be able to have Sunday to be Sunday, whatever that means. Oh, I me. thought
0: you meant, like, gigs at church.
1: I used, to, well, I also do that, but I've stopped playing all of them. Okay, just, like, yeah, across the board Yeah, I know. am playing October 3rd, though, at Skidaway, United Methodist. But. <laughs> Shout out for the That's ability. a special request. <laughs> Show up. <laughs> be there, be square. I know. 830 and 10.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of interesting. I guess I never really thought about, like, churches hiring your that service. Mm-hmm. Like, how often does that happen?
1: Um, well, for a while, and I told me I want to take a pause, but it was every month, like what, the first Sunday of every month. And then I was playing the Oglethorpe Club for their brunch, which is great. But I need a break. <laughs> I just need a day.
0: Is the Oglethorpe Club pretty cool?
1: It's old school, old yeah. school savannah. Um but I will say that the positive things that or the things I love the most about them is that, their staff turnover is basically non-existent um over the years i mean there's been gms that have retired i i love all the past gms um they've been through like a couple chefs in my past 15 years of being here which is you know reasonable but in terms of like the core servers i've known them for 15 years like they're like family i mean sous chef he had a tree fall into his house on Christmas Eve and his landlord didn't have his landlord actually own the property outright and he didn't have homeowners insurance because it wasn't required because you know he's not getting financing and so there's this huge tree that fell into his home and thank God his kids they had like run out for like a last-minute errand or something and like we put together this GoFundMe page and I was sending the link to like they chef created it for the sous chef but they were sending it to like staff and stuff and i'm like no we gotta send this to the members the members a love this guy b they have extra funds that they so i was like texting all the people that are members that i've been on the board of second harvest with that i've done events with that i've played their children's weddings for like whatever like hey this happened and none of them knew about it none of the members knew about it so All that to say, sometimes I feel like I'm like this liaison. Maybe this is the theme for the whole show. I don't know. I'm a liaison between tenants and owners, between clients and musicians, between front of the house, back of the house, between, like, top shelf and, you know, well drinks. I don't know. Like, that line in the Titanic where he says the party's in steerage and Kate – Kate Winslet goes down and they have this, like it's all the staff and it's down in the, like the steerage area and they're having a party and having the best time. Whereas all the hoity toity people are up top, very stuffy and you know, not, not real, not authentic. And so I think um, having that opportunity to be that stepping stone, I don't know, maybe I'm thinking too highly of myself, but I feel like I'm comfortable in both worlds but i'm not identifying in either i'm in that like middle of the road
0: does it feel weird to like alternate between
1: i think i've done it for so long but most classical musicians will tell you you learn really young a don't take people's compliments to heart because they don't know what they're talking about sometimes (laughs) especially with the harp because you can play mary had a little lamb and it sounds pretty right it's not skillful it's just the harp like as opposed to beginner violin. Oh, I don't know. Don't let your, your kids play violin. No, that, it's a great <laughs> instrument, but it's like... Eh, 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 you know? Like
0: those teachers are like a special breed of person. Oh, God bless them. Yeah. So
1: with the harp, you know, you're not making... You might not play the right note, but it's not making an awful sound. So right. um, at the same time... One of my friend, Rebecca Flaherty, she's a local singer, but she always says, like, don't be confused. We are not one of them. As much as they'll say, oh, you're welcome to stay and drink, and oh, you're the the highlight, we're still the help. You know, we're still providing a service, and unless you are rock star level, you know, there's a huge, huge, huge dichotomy between rock star musicians and then gigging musicians. That's just what it is. So, I mean, it's great when – Someone appreciates you and gives you a lovely compliment. It's it's wonderful. I learned a long time ago not to expect it. Otherwise, I'm just going to be disappointed. So if someone acknowledges my existence, that's a win.
0: Do you feel like you want to be part of them?
1: No. I feel like I want to be part of certain elements, especially the philanthropic side, 100%. Um, one of the things that I love about what I can do as a board member, I'm a I'm a worker bee. I can create very successful um, and unique fundraisers. That was another like area that I thought I truly excelled in. I can't write big checks. I don't work for a huge organization that can write big checks or match funds. You know, I'm it. I don't work for a big construction firm. I don't work for JCB. You know. Yeah. But I can put together these events and be a worker bee that generate significant revenue. And or I can find people that I need to help me do that. So I think it's about being resourceful. I think it's about, first of all, for me, it's appreciating how much I feel part of the Savannah community being from the north from Michigan, um, and not growing up here. And there's a huge part of me that loves that I'm not from here, because I've had so many great experiences outside of Savannah. And I think it's a great Home base, I love it. Um, I love that people are completely enamored with the idea of Savannah. Like it's romanticized. I think my parents love telling people when they first meet them that their daughter lives in Savannah. I think they hate that I live so far away. But you know, in general, my identity is really—I don't—I don't, I don't want to say chameleonish because it sounds like I'm inauthentic, but I think it's adaptive. So I can be, you know. Have you worked in hospitality ever? Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Like, you got to turn it on. Yeah. I mean, you can turn it on. And then I can go back and party with the line cooks and, you know, just chat Do you think that that's inauthentic? Around. That's what?
0: Do you, I mean, do you think that that's inauthentic? No. Like, I mean, not mm-hmm. in your specific case. But I just mean in general. I don't know if that's, like, inauthentic to be that way. Because sometimes right. you're just.
1: You're just adaptive.
0: Even if you were completely alone. Let's say you lived on your own on an island. You're not going to be, like, the same person all the time. No. Right? Like, you're emotions right. flow. Things right, circumstances change.
1: We're living, working, evolving, works in progress all the time.
0: All the time. Yeah. And yeah. if you have to be a certain way with a certain client to keep them from getting unhappy, I don't think that that's like being inauthentic. You know what yeah,
1: I mean? that's true. I think for me, it's the bigger thing is connecting with people and whatever that connection is going to be, whether it be sports or bourbon or whatever. Music, I mean, one of the best things about music is it completely takes away all the things that divide, the general things that can divide people, whether it be language barriers, socioeconomic. Like, I don't care if you don't know what a harp looks like, but you might recognize some Zeppelin or some Eagles or Beatles or whatever I play, and it might, you know, make make you so moved and inspired that you don't care it doesn't matter what the vehicle is for it's just what what it's caused
0: right there's no and, box for music it's just yeah, everywhere it's just whatever. it touches everything
1: and you know I don't know. i just i think it's one of the few things that's accessible to everybody
0: how much do you think that being in that world has made you better at your job as a marketer for
1: so across the board i love that technically both of my jobs in sales sales and neither of them feel like sales right so i feel like what i'm doing instead of selling is educating so you tell me like this is what i'm envisioning and i'm trying to like hone in on what what's the vision that you really have like people can get it's just like someone going to a grocery store and being like what am i going to cook for dinner i have a whole grocery store to pick from as opposed to what am i going to cook for dinner I've got a pantry to pick from you know so how do you narrow in on what people want how do you get out of the gate like okay with Sago I have my questions that I ask so that I know going into it you know we only do long-term rentals so 12 months or more so if right out of the gate someone says I want a place that I can come to you a few months out of the year I'm like that's great our, your business model is not gonna work I can tell you with our fee structure because it's not cost effective to turn the property over with us managing it right um so being very clear very upfront about um what the services are that we do provide and then saying highlighting what i think makes us unique and also just being very um honest yeah i tell people with the music industry i'm like hey well you know give me some ideas of what songs you know are you are you wanting traditional are you wanting classical here are the options we can do for a hybrid, whatever. And a lot of times people are like, I never thought about the harp. I'm like, well, let me send you some videos. But at the same time, I'm like, hey, I'm just suggesting the harp because the songs that you're listing like are totally would work for the harp. But if you just hate the harp for some reason, I'm not offended at all. Like, no worries, we'll come up with something else. Right. And then with Sago too, it's like, hey, <clears throat> I wanna be as as open and honest with the the owners that we have to tell them, you know, they are our priority because we don't have clients that are buying and selling. You know, there are a lot of firms that have that that rental arm, but really it's just to kind of keep them there so that they'll be able to do the sale, you right. know, when when they, when it's time to sell. And so that's, you know, another thing that I think makes us unique, and I think I'm able to get a sense of what the client is going to be like within those first conversations, and quite honestly the same thing is with with brides. Or planners or parents of the bride (laughs) or whoever it is that's communicating with me you know so um, but it is always funny when you do have to adapt I think it's it's rare but I feel like every now and then the bride decides and this is obviously in a traditional wedding marriage but the bride says oh groom you're gonna get a couple like remedial jobs to check off and sometimes it's ceremony music (laughs) And I feel like the grooms, like, go over, like, above and beyond because they're so aware of, like, they only had like, you had one job. Like, don't, don't mess, mess it up. It up. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, it's total sports that are like, you had one job. And I remember one time the groom picked the music and the song for her to walk into. He picked Frank Sinatra's My Way. And I was like, are you kidding me? That is not a wedding song. Like, I did it my way. Like, that's all. So it's funny. And then I had a groom pick the music a couple months ago. And their song was Creep by Radiohead. (laughs) Thankfully, we didn't have a singer. But I was like, oh, my gosh. But you know what? You never know. And my partner now, he always says, he's like, listen, it's not your job to judge. Just do your job. I'm like, you are absolutely right. I'll do my job.
0: My wife says so. there's more than one way to live life. Yep, that's true. <laughs> that is also true.
1: So, yeah, I think it's helped. It's helped me be um, accommodating and to also know how to um, handle situations a little bit better when um, a client behaves or or emails or calls around something that is completely in left field and outside of, like, anything I would have anticipated, I mean, tenants do that too sometimes. i have got a very colorful one right now, and I think she's annoyed that I don't write back to her, but I have no reason to write back to her. <laughs> and and Nicole's handling it, and Nicole's emails are thank you very much. And then we just get like I don't even know what she's talking about anymore these days. But she's it's just like it's going yeah, like and a lot of swear away. like clearly you don't know how to do your job. Like I mean, just things that are completely off the chain, and um. Stuff that has nothing to do with the lease. Like about a W nine or something. I don't know. It's really bizarre. And um I think me before Sega would have like been upset by it. And now I'm like, huh. Just kinda rolls off. Just like as, it's as, just as, a blip. Yeah. Like, okay, I'm not clearly there's no reasoning with this individual and not my job. So
0: So you guys will represent houses and sell them too? No. I guess I missed that.
1: No, we do not represent and sell.
0: So okay, for example, you were talking earlier in the show about um the lady you saw in the, the lobby who said she was coming mm-hmm. here to buy housing yesterday. Who who then would you refer her to if you guys don't do it?
1: Like Mary Smith in my B and I chapter.
0: Oh, okay. I get your Yeah, okay. so okay. or
1: any other, you know, agents that I might have, you know, good referral relationships with. We just took on um some properties from a group that um, they had a property manager and a property management arm that this woman had brought into the picture and then she went off and went out on her own so she was taking with her the people she had brought but the current owners had also brought in some investors and so the agreement was that those would stay and they're not set up they don't want to do property management there they never wanted to in the first place it was only because this other individual came in and so we did a transition and we took over these nine properties that they had in their portfolio all occupied so you know there's no way our team could take over 10 or nine unoccupied properties at the same time yeah but since they're all occupied and their leases end at different times so we're just getting them all on sego's management and lease agreements um so that's but that was a very positive merger and it's only i knew them from Back in 2004 when I used to go to Independent Presbyterian for church. like
0: That's pretty crazy. Yeah,
1: so it's just, you know, deep connections. Again, back to my point of, like, the marketing piece. Like, I'm a believer in you plant seeds whenever you can, and you have no idea if this is going to be sprouting in two weeks or if this is going to be sprouting in 15 years. You just don't know. So, right. you know, be nice. Be patient. Be kind. Be Karma's humble. real. I think so yeah Yeah, whatever you want to call it (laughs) or yeah you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. totally yeah so um, I just I I really enjoy forming relationships with people and I think back to that BNI piece what can I do for you and that's what you did when you visited our chapter you know I was super excited I've never been on a podcast before and um, I did some like interviews but nothing like this (laughs) but my first television (laughs) appearance was when I was a newborn my mom yeah my mom wrote and produced and directed a children's television show um that they filmed at channel seven during like oops during off hours same stadium or same uh studio where they had um michigan replay filmed at a long time ago yeah and um so it was called deedle doors and it's an educational show and my mom wrote all the wrote a lot of the the episodes and it would be two hosts and then four kids and you'd go, there'd be a theme of each show and you go into like the set and you go through a different door for each segment. And when we were newborns, my mom had us on and it was like the season and finale with all the hosts and all the kids. And then my brother and I were substitute kids cause you got to film at night. So it meant you got to like stay up late and we go into the green room. It was like my first whole like production experience. And um, so if one of the kids was sick, this was like third and fourth grade age, right. then we would swap turns being the sub in. And um, so we got all these old like VHSs of it. But my mom actually had Madonna on when she was in high school. So my mom still jokes that she gave Madonna her first TV appearance and she was a dancer and she was the fairy of wishes granted. And she came in and did a like ballet dance routine. On little doors. <laughs> so yeah, I've got weird stories, like super random weird stories.
0: But do you feel like when you grow up, um, and such a close family member is like famous, like, is there like that sense of like living up to that? No, you know what I mean? no. Never? So
1: no, because her mom died when she was young. There were six. So my uncle Tony and Madonna's mom, Madonna, yeah, had six kids, and Madonna died young. And then my aunt, my dad's sister, became the nanny for the kids. And then they eventually fell in love. I just heard the full story last month of my aunt describing how Tony, I, I say, wooed her or courted her, but it was neither. Those are too romantic of words to describe what <laughs> the process was. Like it was crazy. It was so like, hey, Let's get dinner. Like, I mean, it was just not romantic. <laughs> oh, and, and he he before being a winemaker, um, he's a chemical engineer. like he's just the, the brainy side. So Madonna's sister, um, half sister because then my aunt and uncle had more kids, and she's my godmother. I'm much closer with her. Um, age difference with, like I said, I mean, I met Sean Penn when she and when he and Madonna were married around like the age of six as well. My brother was petrified of him. He hid under a kitchen table. I mean, Sean Penn was a little intimidating. Yeah, yeah. He's an intimidating so, dude. He does crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that was so long ago. It's really, it's nothing.
0: So you never, like, felt, you think any of your other family members feel like that? No, not oh, at all.
1: Okay, okay. No, it's, like, a fun fact. Okay. Someone's got to be related to someone.
0: I mean, that's true. Yeah, I just feel like every single time, like it just circles back like a lot. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Almost like it's just like a cloud or something.
1: Yeah. That, no, no one in just... my family's musical really. Like, I mean, my mom taught herself how to play guitar, basically to accompany her ki- um, kindergarten students and stuff. And my brother was a drum major and played saxophone, but has doesn't play music now. Right. So it it was never a plan to be like a musician i don't know there wasn't a plan <laughs> Just like fell into it yeah, and, yeah. It, it, there really wasn't a plan so um I, i'm grateful though that i feel like my parents have always supported whatever decisions i've made even if maybe they're like oh are you sure but they've always supported me so and they've let me make my own choices and figure it out based on the outcome <laughs> And I know they're not all great choices, but <laughs> I try.
0: <laughs> Nobody's perfect, right? Yep, yep. Uh, let me ask you this. Do you, do you follow or what podcasts, audiobooks, whatever, do you do to, like, further your education? What are you listening to right now? Hmm. Or do you listen to any?
1: I, I wish I had more time in the car. Um, the nice part about living in Savannah is that there's no major commute going on. I was going to pull up. What's the book that Ed recommended the other day?
0: Oh dang, don't put me on blast like that.
1: Well you just I wasn't prepared for this question. <laughs> I'm not even sound scholarly. Hold on. I took a picture of it. And my coworker Nicole is always telling me about the podcast she's listening to. But Sell Like Crazy is the one that Ed recommended. I don't think I'm gonna read it only just because I feel like I've got plenty of business right now. Um, But I will pull up. What do I have on audibles? I got um, Michael J. Fox's book recently.
0: What's that about? It's like about his life? Yes. Okay. Uh,
1: just overcoming Parkinson's and his perspective on life. Right. Yeah. Um, and then I also have this book that I just got by Matthew Kelly, who's um, a Catholic writer. And he's got um, a really great series this rediscovering jesus he has a book that he just published called life is messy so i started that and it's good like
0: that's really that sounds really familiar to me it's good i'll have to look so it up life is messy it was at my
1: mom's house and then i started reading it when i was there and, and she sent me a copy so it's good it's good I, I try not to get super heady right now um i've been i have to figure out ways to like mentally detox or else i'll just be going 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 um all the the time yeah Yeah. like never ending so i will say one of the best shows i think i've ever watched in my life is ted lasso and i know people are finally getting on the ted lasso train but i was on it a year ago and because it's on apple tv and i think that not as many people have apple tv and now people are getting it but it is not only hilarious it is thought-provoking it's inspiring it'll make you cry i mean it'll make any man cry don't Ever tell me that you did not cry watching the show? What's it about? Any man. So Ted Lasso is a coach. It's uh, Jason Sedakis and he is hired initially. His the intent is to be hired by this um, British football team, soccer, um, to come over and ruin the team. He's he's hired from Kansas, coming off of like their AAA division win at football, and he and his cohort. Coach Beard go over to England and he knows nothing about soccer. Nothing. And the whole the owner of the team, she's trying to get back at her ex-husband and crush the one thing that he loves, which is the Richmond soccer team. And then things evolve from there. And the character development is beautiful. The episodes are short. I wish they were longer, but it is hilarious and all the, the nuances and everything, I just, I don't know anyone that's not absolutely in love with it. Or has not said, this is the best show I've ever seen. I'll
0: have to check. It's on Apple? Apple TV. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to It's check
1: amazing. It out. And then my second favorite is Newsroom. The Newsroom from like a while ago.
0: Well, everybody knows the one scene of the Newsroom where he's like, why America's not the greatest story oh, That's hit. the opening <laughs> scene. The opening scene. Yes. Yeah. Yes.
1: <laughs> I know. I know. But I mean, I love him. I love um, Jeff Daniels. Is you? Know, I love Aaron Sorkin. I think he's a, such a prolific writer. He wrote every single word. Of every single episode of the newsroom, that's one of the reasons why there's only three seasons. Cause I was like so frustrated that there weren't more. <laughs> yeah, and it's just it's a lot. Most teams have like twelve writers
0: for right. a show. Yeah,
1: he wrote every word.
0: That's pretty crazy.
1: I love it. So, anyways, and I just started that show. Steve Martin. I don't know how we got on TV shows, but books, TV. Yeah. Steve Martin and Martin Short, and um, and um, what's her name? Uh, singer. It's called Only Murders in the Building.
2: Okay. <laughs>
1: it is awesome. It is so awesome. It is super, super funny. And um, I don't know. I just... Uh, Selena Gomez.
0: <laughs> okay. Oh, that's kind of a weird pair. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: But watch it. And it, it it's about true crime stuff, too. Okay. Which is really fun. Well, it's like Anyways, a crime show? Kind of. It's like this weird... The way that these three people who all live in the same building... how what they bond over and how their friendship forms is because they're all obsessed with the same podcast, true crime podcast that gets cut off by a fire alarm. And then somehow they all end up being connected. Anyways, it's just, it's a trip. I've just watched the first couple episodes, but I don't know these days between, I have to balance stuff that the tributes to nine 11, everything there, um, the state of our world, where we're at with, with health, and everything you can totally spiral and get in this dark place at least i do and so whatever i can find to be uplifting that i'm not even generating myself i'm just like let me absorb whatever fun positivity whatever it is and i think a lot of us are taking that perspective and i hope that i hope we do that more so because i think i think we could be on a slippery slope in terms of community and i just I just want to try to stay as positive as possible. So, sorry. PSA.
0: Dang, that's a real bummer because I really want to get into politics. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If you could, it's kind of like my last question. If you could go back and talk to yourself, day one you, what advice would you give yourself?
1: Day one me?
0: And it could be like, I don't know where you want to consider day one if you could consider like 18 you could consider it when you first started at Sego, i literally almost called it asiago <laughs> or you could <laughs> I think or you could start um when you got a college, you know whenever you Or want. like
1: okay so i think looking back if i do the long the long span my memory like when do you have memories from when you were four like i feel like that's when i first have like distinct memories
0: i don't know everything's like just like Picture like picture, still pictures yep, until yep. maybe like I don't know, I guess sometime between like seven and ten. I have okay. no idea when. Yeah. So,
1: around there, any at any point that I started to have any doubts about myself or my um belongingness, um, I think. Having parents that were incredibly supportive and a twin brother that we were, we still are very, very close. Um, and it was just the two of us. We got along great. Like, <laughs> so great. He's just the best. He's absolutely amazing. And um, to this day, I mean, I remember one fight. And it was over. We shared a car. We went to different high schools. A high school I could walk to. His was in downtown Detroit. And I was like, I need the car. I was being awful. And he's 30 seconds younger than me. And he totally acts like the the middle child. He's just like the peacemaker and stuff. And uh, anyway, so I I had, I always had like a friend in my brother. But I also was, I don't, bullied is not the right term for it. But I definitely went through ebbs and flows of being ostracized as a child. So whether it be.
0: Like you didn't feel like you were part of the.
1: I got picked on. I got teased for stupid things like kids do. I didn't I didn't tease people. I didn't pick on people. Like they were just some mean kids, you know, first grade, this girl told me, and her name was Kristen as well, and she told me because I just moved from kindergarten in a different town, and she told me things were so much better here before you came like first grade telling me this and i'm like, like yeah, that is so mean like <laughs> who even taught you say it? and then i realized like later on like oh she's got three older brothers like they're probably all jerks to her and her like, people, like her whatever people. yeah so um over the years that i remember middle school was rough and you know when we talked about having feet in like different worlds like i had my my friends from elementary school kind of friends but we were did school projects together and stuff, but then I also did sports, and I had music, and I had all these different groups. I never had one identity with, like, a set group. What I wish I would have told myself, and that was true, has been true for the rest of my life, to the point that I've had friends criticize me of not being, like, not being committed to, like, one best friend, and I don't know, just being all over the place, and I just feel like that could be limiting. I I do love my very, very close friends, and I have a number of them, thankfully. But I also don't think that you have to be exclusive to, like, one best friend. Right. <laughs> so over the years, I think if someone had told me to be comfortable being different, not that I was, like, you know, tattooing my face or getting piercings or anything different like that, but just don't don't be afraid to – um, feel left out sometimes as a result of the fact that I'm not investing all of my time in them so they might let me f- they might make me feel left out they might make fun of me they might accuse me of stuffing my bra that happened that was a true story Bad rumors in middle school mean stuff. Oh, I was accused of having dandruff. And like the rumors just like spread all the time and it's still what obviously kind of rumor is dandruff. I don't know. Like, well, just Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I'm human, sorry. Yeah. It's dry outside. Like, I don't know. And just I just remember those specific things and that they were maybe because they were so unique that they stick out and they were hurtful. Well, they're traumatizing but probably a little bit I too. Think so yeah. and then like, no one likes to feel like everyone's talking about them, even if it's not true, number one, or, you know, a, an exaggeration. But I also think that um, I can be proud of things that I've done that I didn't realize were exceptional. I thought it was just like, oh, this is normal, or I'd get an idea. One of the best things that my dad did um, – I wasn't expecting it, but it was at a time when I really... I didn't know what I needed, but I was living in Wisconsin. I moved there only for that job. Um, My coworkers were in different states. My volunteers were college students, and I was only two years older, you know, two years out of college. So it felt like they were friends or, like, colleagues or, like, people I could socialize with, but then I still needed to have boundaries. Like, I was still supervising them, even though they were volunteers and, like, all that stuff. So... It, I just didn't really I didn't have any friends there I didn't know and normally people make friends through their work and I finally did like meet some people but at one point I was just feeling really sad and my dad said Kristen you do you realize you've done what the majority of people would not even consider doing you have up and moved to a new town a new state you know nobody like give yourself a little credit and like just let things happen you know and for me that was really important to hear because um A, my dad and I are very similar and his approval and his support has always been important to me. Um, but it also made me realise like, oh, okay, this isn't the normal thing. And so I think everybody might have their idea of like what a baseline normal is and then um and maybe we're like afraid to drop below that. And I guess I would say like don't be afraid, like it's gonna it's gonna work out. It's right. gonna work out. And if it doesn't, I don't know. Like, again, the...
0: that If it hasn't worked out, it isn't over. Yeah,
1: and that perfectionistic stuff like that, you know, that's brutal. on a type A person and all that. So I've had to be just learning to be more kind with myself. And ironically, COVID really helped me with that. So... How so? I think um, there were no, dis- not as many distractions from... It wasn't me plus... X, Y, and Z, or Kristen doing this activity, or whatever. It was just me, Chilling. like absolute value signs, like yeah. around me, and to know that that's okay, that's enough. It doesn't have to be Kristen with, your know, harp concert or Kristen killing it at whatever. You know, it's just like I'm enough. So that that's how I would probably sum it up, and be okay with with knowing that. I should probably just keep reminding myself that now every day. She should tattoo on my face.
0: Boom. <laughs> Therapy session. I know. I <laughs> thought you were going to make me
1: cry for a second. I was like, I'm not going to start talking about my dad. Let's not do that. We're not I mean, going we down like the daddy of, pathway. Dude,
0: people love tears. Let's go ahead and just head that <laughs> way. <laughs> I will say,
1: though, um, one of the things that keeps getting me teared up is I oh, got to play at Memorial Hospital last week for the first time since before COVID at the um, Heart and Vascular Center. And, you know, normally when I play at the hospital, I'm thinking I'm playing for patients and their support people and all that and staff. But now it's just all staff. There's no support people there. And they are so hungry for something to distract from the devastation and the continuous um, news that they're sharing with loved ones. And so I'm playing in the atrium in an empty room and the social worker comes over. She's like, Kristen, look up. And I look up and there's just people lining all the balconies and it's all staff and they just you know phones out like just recording just maybe like had five minutes of just a mental break to just chill out that's the stuff that gets me and i'm like
0: you're giving me god i know i know that's actually really emotional yeah
1: so it's like i i just have so much appreciation for them and also grateful that that's not my industry because i don't know i mean i know people have superhuman capacities when they don't try to like we look back at things like how did I get through that you do we're strong we're resilient but they're just getting pummeled and I I want to be able to do more and I don't know what to do so yeah
0: you need to get with my wife yeah yeah because we were just she's been talking about this so I'm gonna go off like topic a little bit but Mm -hmm. like uh, so my daughter was born at the beginning of the year and she had um, transposition of the great arteries I don't know if you know what that is but it's like yeah, like, yeah. where it's reversed. Reverse, So, like, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um, and so, we had to, like, had to, like, get rushed from Memorial to, like, Augusta oh, and wow. all this stuff. Anyway, so, I guess when, you know, when you go through an experience like that and you come out the other side, you're, like, a little bit more grateful, mm-hmm. right? And so, Absolutely. my wife has been talking, like, a whole bunch about, like, what can we do for healthcare workers mm-hmm. just because, like, that was so crazy that that happened and, like, they assess it so quick. You know, mm-hmm. a bunch of reasons, right? Like, she yeah. just feels like we owe our daughter's life, to, which we do, probably. But...
1: Wow. Yeah. I mean... um I was talking to my girlfriend yesterday who's an esthetician and she's doing some like retreat stuff, but she loves her passion is like going into like retirement communities and doing facials for older clients. Like she loves old people, you know? And I don't know, my friend and I, we always have like this pack, like when we get old, we're going to pluck the each other's eyebrows and the hairs out of our chin for each other. Um, so she was saying like, Oh, Maybe I could do something with hospice. And I used to do a lot of volunteering with hospice when I had more volunteer time. Um, but 100%, like there's just, there's so much need across the board for not just that human action, physical touch. People that are in hospice and they don't have family around them, right. especially right now because they're not having visitors unless they're moved to in-home hospice. You know, just being touched, just being cared for it's the uh, Romanian
0: Civil War like do you know anything about you know what I'm talking about with the babies yes the babies they yeah, die yeah, yeah. failure they died. to thrive yeah, Completely. Yeah, yeah. exactly yeah
1: yep and just because so, they weren't touched. touched they weren't held or anything yeah. Yep. so yeah I think these are all systematic big things that can be at least this is why I tell myself it feels overwhelming but any little thing that can be done like just never underestimate whatever that is because we don't know who we're affecting we don't really know who we're touching you just got to hope that your heart's in the right place, which right. it is. Yeah. So yeah, your wife and I could tag team something. We'll figure it out.
0: Yeah. yeah. You seem like really in touch with the nonprofit. I like, know. Yeah. Yeah. Charity. So. Yeah.
1: I yeah. love it. So that
0: seems, that seems like a good note to end on. Yeah. How do you want people to find you?
1: Um, com, And you can follow us on Facebook. Um, and you can always message me directly. Um, at either on social media um, or Kristen k-r-i-s-t-a-n at Management.com. perfect thanks so thank much you. for coming on
0: Kristen. thank you so much <laughs> all right see you okay hey y'all thank you so much for listening this week if uh you want to show some support please head on over to mpgpodcast.com check out the awesome merch we have on there um and also subscribe and comment wherever you listen to this uh, that does a huge things for pushing us up on the algorithm, whether it's on Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Apple Podcast, Google Podcasts, YouTube, whatever it is, whatever platform you use, go right now, go subscribe, go comment, help push us up, and also please share us on your social media. Um, the more listens we get, the more I can bring, uh, more guests I can bring in, the more value I can bring you guys, so. Thanks so much. It's a total team effort. I appreciate all the support, and I uh, hope you all have a great week. See you guys next week.